A Minneapolis couple decided to go to Florida to thaw out during an icy winter. And they planned to stay at the same hotel where they had spent their honeymoon 35 years ago. Well, due to their hectic schedules, the husband left Minnesota and flew to Florida on Thursday, but the wife had to fly down the following day. The husband checked into the hotel and he couldn't believe all the advancements that he saw. And as he checked in, he walked by this computer room and he thought, okay, I'll send my wife an email. And for whatever reason, he decided to memorize his wife's email. However, in his haste, he accidentally left out one number in her email and he sent the address without realizing it. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow had just returned home from her husband's funeral. He was a minister who, as Kate Probst says it, and I'm never gonna say it like her, called home to glory following a heart attack. The widow decided to check her email, expecting messages from relatives and friends. After reading the first message, she screamed and fainted and the widow's son came running into the den and he sees her on the floor and he looks at the screen which read email subject to my loving wife, I've arrived. I know you are surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones anytime. I've just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey was as uneventful as mine. P.S. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> Ooh, unlike that Minneapolis hubby that tried to email his wife their travel plans and ended up rerouting a widow from the shock of her life, Jesus had given his disciples his itinerary, not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus had been very clear with his friends, the disciples, that he would be making a journey to his death on a cross and then to the tomb and then to rise again. Luke tells us, and he gets right to the point, quote, they didn't grasp what Jesus told them. <laughs> we read in our passage in Acts and we wonder what the disciples were feeling as they looked up after spending 40 days with Jesus post-resurrection to see him walk up this mountain and has the cartoon so wonderfully illustrated, flew up to heaven and there they stood. Can you imagine? We can only imagine their thoughts and their questions he's gone from us now what we're looking up but how can we look ahead I mean what does the future hold for us now the disciples were asking one of the oldest and most deeply religious questions now what Lord for Jesus's disciples the ascension was a powerful catalyst that actually got them to work on carrying out his mission that he had begun. The days prior to Jesus' crucifixion had been brutal for them. 
And in our scripture readings today, we heard from Ron about what it was like when he first appeared to them, when they were still in secret and hiding. And then in Acts, we follow up almost like bookends to the day of his ascension. And so they were in a time of confusion and despair when Jesus came to them. I mean, they were worried that they were going to be killed and have the same fate as him. Should they fish again? Should they collect taxes? Go back to an old life that really no longer fit them? And we know from scripture that those who were fishermen for a brief time, that's exactly what they did in their confusion and not knowing what to do. But here came Jesus post-resurrection. And whether it was on the Emmaus Road with two disciples or in Jerusalem with all 11 disciples, the search for the truth began with Jesus taking the initiative with those disciples, not vice versa, and challenging them with the question they have been trying to make sense of, now what? Which is our question today. You know, imagine gathered in Jerusalem with anxiety and grief and wonder all at the same time, all wondering what they would do, and the disciples tried to start out with Jesus in their midst, and all of a sudden, after all of this pain and agony and hiding, he appears to them, and his words are only for, peace be with you. How like Jesus to enter our darkness and to speak words of peace. Only then does he interject himself into the situation. He was known to them in the breaking of the bread, it is written. You know, death is a trip from which no one is supposed to return. So it's little wonder that the disciples were frightened, that even in their joy they were disbelieving, they were still wondering. And Jesus says, touch me and see. Jesus says to his friends, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And Luke makes it clear that this wasn't a product of their imagination or some collective fantasy. The risen Jesus was touchable and even hungry. And no matter how bizarre this may have seemed to them and to us, no matter how much the prevailing powers tried to crush their disbelief, to start the church, they continued to witness to the reality of the resurrection, and we need to do the same. Mother Teresa, she just says everything the best way. She says life is a challenge, meet it. Life is a duty, complete it. Life is a game, play it. Life is costly. So care for it. Life is rich, so keep it. Life is love, love it. Life is a mystery, know it. Life is a promise, fulfill it. Life is sorrow, overcome it. Life is a song, sing it. Life is a struggle, accept it. Life is an adventure, dare it. Life is too precious, do not destroy it. Jesus had been an essential part 
of his journey to those disciples was in coming back, he actually made his crucifixion the good news, which is why we call Good Friday good, because through it he was able to save the world, to be the savior of all of us. In that journey into humanity and taking that trip to the depths of pain and death, then returning in amazing triumph, and they witnessed it all. They witnessed everything. And remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't only dwell within us, but among us. And the church is now the modern-day disciples of Jesus, the community of faith. And with the Spirit in our midst, we can do the impossible. If we doubt it, we have only to look back at those who came before us. You know, alone, Abraham, he couldn't see the boundaries of one small valley. That was his scope. And yet with the spirit, he could envision the promise of a whole new land. Alone, Moses was confined to chasing herds in the wilderness. But with the spirit, he led God's people to freedom. Alone, David couldn't imagine being anything other than a shepherd. But with the Spirit, he became the King of Israel. Alone, John the Baptist was an outcast with a lone voice in a big wilderness. But with the Spirit, he was a prophet. He was a visionary. Alone, Mary was an ordinary teenage girl. But with the Spirit, she was the bearer of the greatest gift we have ever been given, the Son of God. Alone, Peter. He would have stayed hid in the priest's courtyard denying Jesus, staying in shame. But with the Spirit, he stood in the temple in Jerusalem and he preached. Alone Paul, he was filled with pride and rage. He martyred Stephen, he persecuted Christians, and yet with the Spirit, he was filled with love and the good news and he spread Christianity to his world. You know, it was the Holy Spirit that made it possible for that scraggly band of fishermen and tent makers to witness about Jesus across all of Asia Minor. And it is the Holy Spirit that continues to make it possible today for all of us, no matter our diverse interests, no matter how weak our strengths or how strong our weaknesses, we are to become the body of Christ in the world today, to be his hands and his feet and his voice and his reflection. So while the disciples kept craning their necks up to the sky, wondering what had just happened and Jesus had left, the angels appeared and made them get their gaze back down to earth. He'll come back just like he left, they said. Now stop standing around and get on with it. Which, exact, which is exactly what they did as they began the church. In Time Magazine, there was a quote by my favorite theologian, N.T. Wright. And he said this, The Gospels all say that Jesus is raised, therefore a new creation has begun, and we have a job to do. When an idea that has never before entered your mind takes root in your life. And as much as you try to ignore it, 
It could go on for days. It could go on for months. It could go on for years. You just keep being pulled into this new idea. And often it is Jesus who is calling us, urging us in some way to do something perhaps that we've never done before. It may come from an adversity that we've experienced and we've come out changed. It shaped us. It's like the pediatric oncologist who went through cancer treatment as a child, the social worker who at one time in his life had been homeless. Or we might hear Jesus' voice and the needs and challenges of the world in this pandemic. High unemployment rates motivate us to help find work for our friends. Your elderly neighbor who just got home from the hospital all of a sudden, you've never done it before, but now you find yourself standing on the porch with a meal in your hands, ringing the bell. The stirring of the Holy Spirit can sometimes lead us to take a day or a long weekend or a week on a mission trip to help those in need. We can also hear the voice of Christ through others. When my two children, Rachel and Matt, each graduated from high school, I'd saved up my pennies and was able to take them on an adventure, which I named my senior trip with mom. <laughs> because doesn't that, isn't that what every senior wants, you know, the summer before college to spend like nine days alone with their mother? Rachel, what do you think? Yeah, all right, good. Smart girl. <laughs> it was an incredible experience each one of them had, and it was an incredible experience for me because I knew I'd never get the time back. They're 18 and ready to set out to the world and set it on fire. And so we went and we stayed with my uncle and aunt living in their home on the island of Oahu where we vacationed in Hawaii. And before I embarked on these two journeys, in 2012 and 2014, I thought what would mean the most to us, aside from the time together, would be introducing them to family members that they had only seen in photos or voices heard on the phone but never met in person. Or I thought it would be showing them all the places on the island that mean so much to me and to my family, sharing the memories of those places. Jesus blessed us with both. But you know Jesus. I received an added gift I never expected. Spending time with my aunt. My pigeon English speaking auntie who when she leaves a voicemail says, Kellyanne, this is your auntie Melly from Hawaii. As if I don't know. <laughs> a native to Hawaii her whole life. Philip No, five feet tall, she's little but she's mighty, vivacious, fun-loving, faithful to Jesus, and the star of the Sea Catholic Church, where she seven days a week is a cantor, Auntie Mully. Thirty years ago, she married my uncle, and they both had been widowers. She is a joy, and I've never met anyone who has experienced so many hardships and adversity in her life. So many, even the death of her 38-year-old daughter. But her laughter, it's contagious. To be with her is to see the reflection of Jesus. 
And she has this knack for creating teachable moments before you realize that you're actually in the teachable moment. And I love about her. Both Matt and Rachel, I'm a kind of friendly people were all over the island. And everywhere you go, you're greeted with a smile and a aloha. There you go. The Hawaiian word aloha is used today for three meanings. Hello, goodbye, and love. Sometimes it's used lightly, but it actually embodies a much deeper meaning. Alo means in the presence of God in Hawaiian. And ha in Hawaiian means the breath of life. So imagine greeting now someone with a hello, and it really means the presence of God dwells within you, and it is the breath of life. One word. People in Hawaii refer to this as the aloha spirit, and they take it so seriously that in 1986, they added it into their uh, state law, and it is enforced. It was put in place to remind citizens and government officials of Hawaii and even visitors to the island to consider this spirit as they interact with one another on the islands of Hawaii. I've had it described to me since childhood as the golden rule that applies everywhere, no matter where you go, but to treat people as you would want to be treated. But here's the kicker, only you do it first. You extend the Haloa spirit first. That is my Auntie Melly. She put the I in kind of long ago. So who is that person for you? Who's that person that just to be around them inspires you to faith, that has joy, that's contagious, no matter what the adversity is? that we can identify those people in our lives, I encourage you to thank them this week. And then I call all of us and they enjoy the blessing and while they do they remind us of the truth that we have been brought into a world that is often confusing and misguiding and dark at times even unrecognizable but for those who follow Jesus we live in this world where God is still sovereign Jesus still says in the middle of a pandemic to us follow me today be my disciple today I am with you every day. I recently came across an anonymous quote. Some wish to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Are you ready? Are you ready to be the rescue shop? Because that's what Jesus is calling us to be as a mission station it is absolutely essential that we're willing to go where the fish are. 
just like Jesus taught his disciples. We may have been brought into a world with struggles where they seek to find a purpose they cannot seem to find. We have also been brought into a world that needs us to carry on the mission of Jesus Christ to be his modern day disciples and that is our purpose. That is our why. The power of the Holy Spirit it really does dwell within you. And because it does, you have the power to do what others cannot be done. They'll say it's impossible, which is to believe and to know the truth that you can make a difference in this world. And frankly, you were called to do it and commanded to do it by Jesus Christ. Imagine how you can do that when you just get up in the morning and to those you encounter through your day until you lie your head down at night and the ripple effect it has on people right that goes out and all those people whom you encountered reaches other people and the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger you know it's amazing to me after spending a lifetime reading the bible how rebellious jesus is we're about to start a series about the rebel re resurrection disciples about how Jesus himself was a rebel. He was ready to stand against those who were in religious power and call them to true discipleship. So the sermon title today is, Hey Jesus, now what? You see the disciples of Jesus. They didn't just stand around looking up at heaven and neither should we. It's time to do what we pray every Sunday and to make God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. After all, the presence of God that dwells within you is your breath of life. Amen. <laughs>